Thank you for joining us today. At Cross Church, we believe people need Jesus, people need each other, people change the world, and people leave legacies. Our desire is for you to understand, accept, and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about Cross Church, please visit crosschurch.com. If you got a Bible, let's grab it. Daniel chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. We have been in a series for about a month now. Uh, that we're calling the book of Daniel, 10 Commitments to Make When Life Closes In. And uh, here you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's three friends, and they are absolutely in a place where life is closing in around them. We talked about that last week. I'll update you here in a second. But uh, you may be there today. You may say, well, Nick, I wasn't even there last week, but when I walk into church this Sunday, life is definitely closing in. Something happened this week at the office, maybe with one of your children, maybe something with your health. And uh, so you walk into this place, maybe with a different set of ears than even you did last Sunday. And uh, that's a good thing if that is your story. Uh, last week, we, we really told you this is really part one and part two as we walk through this chapter together. Uh, so if you missed last week, I'd always encourage you to go catch up on any messages that you miss so that you kind of know the fullness of where we're at. You can go online or on the app uh, to watch any past sermons but uh, last week we talked about King Nebuchadnezzar setting up this giant idol, eight stories tall. When the music played, everybody was supposed to bow down. And as Jordan reminded us just a moment ago, you remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said? Our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. But if he doesn't deliver us, we still ain't gonna bow down to the idol. That's essentially what it was in Arkansan, okay? And uh, here's what you're gonna find today. And this is a very interesting concept to think about. Um, you're going to see themes repeated in this message that we've already said elsewhere in the book of Daniel. In other words, there are themes that are mentioned again and again and again through the book of Daniel that are the same themes. And so if you've ever been in a, reading a book of the Bible or in a message series like this at church, and maybe you're going to think to yourself today, well, I've heard that before, or I remember taking notes a few weeks ago and writing that same thing down. What are we supposed to make of when the Bible says things several times in a row? It means you need to hear it again and again and again and again. And so Daniel, uh, the, the book of Daniel is giving us several things to hear over and over and over again that they would not be just something in head knowledge, but that they would ultimately transition to the place of the heart. And that's what we're going after ultimately today. So let's pick up the story. King Nebuchadnezzar has brought these three men before him. He basically said, listen, all will be fine if next time y'all just bow down to the idol. And they say, listen, we're not going to bow down to the idol. That's where we pick up in verse 19. Look at Daniel chapter three with me. It says this, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed. You ever seen anybody that ticked off? You can find a lot of examples of this on YouTube, by the way, where people get so mad, their life and their face and their body transforms. That's the king here. His face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men fell bound into the burning, fiery 
furnace. Now let me pause there. Let me make sure you understand what's happened here. The king is so ticked off that he binds these men, throws them into the fire, but here's the problem. The furnace is heated to such an extent that the king's men who are actually carrying these men to throw them in the fire, the fire jumps out and kills these three men and ultimately the scene closes with the three men of God falling into the fiery furnace. Keep on reading verse 24. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men, what's the word? Unbound. Not three men, four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like what? It's like a son of the gods. The king is shocked. What in the world is going on here? We threw three men bound into the fire. Now I see four men walking around unharmed. And he says, the fourth is like a son of the gods. Can we just pause here and say, what in the world is happening right here in this story? There are two things happening. Number one, God is rescuing his people. This is the fulfillment of what these men said at the beginning of the story, where they said, listen, our God's able to deliver us and he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're still gonna worship him and trust him. You are reading the fulfillment of that right now. This is happening before our eyes that God is rescuing his people. The second thing is even more startling than the first thing. And here's what you find out. Jesus Christ has arrived on the scene. That's right, Jesus Christ that we are introduced to mainly in the gospels and forward has given us an appearance right here. This is what you call a Christophany in theological terms. Christophany, okay, a Christophany. This is when he shows up in the Old Testament before he shows up in bodily form in the New Testament. And here Jesus is, what's he doing? Standing in the fire with his people. What a beautiful gift this passage is for those of you who are followers of Christ. This is an Old Testament picture of a New Testament reality. What we see here pictured is the same thing that happens when you walk through the fire in your own life. Anybody standing in the fire today? Anybody walk in the church and you're like, okay, this, it's, going, it's going down, bald man. Hope you have something to say to me today, okay? <laughs> the same is true in your own life is that Jesus is in the fire with you. Here's the principle we learn from this passage. When life closes in, Jesus steps in. Anybody experienced that ever before in your life? When life closes in, that's when Jesus steps in. By the way, this just reiterates what the New Testament already tells us. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus in the Great Commission, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. I would say this is one of the sweetest doctrines in the Christian faith, that God is with his people. The presence of God with us. You're not alone. In other words, is what that means. You see, what we find here again in this passage is just reiterated again from a few weeks ago that God loves dependence. And here's three men who, again, just like Daniel was two weeks ago, they are at a place of dependence saying, listen, our God is able and he will, but if he doesn't, we're just going to have to trust him. There's a unique way in your life that I believe God steps in when you live in a place of dependence upon God. Now, there are those times where God may step in the fire even without dependence, 
But there is something special that happens in the life of a follower of Jesus. When they get on their knees and say, Lord, I can't do this any longer. God specializes in moments exactly like that. You may be at a similar place to these three men and you may say, listen, we're walking through it. And, uh, and I really do believe that God is able to deliver and I do believe that God is going to deliver, but I'm struggling with the, if he does not deliver part of the passage. Here's what I tell you. If you're here today and you would say, Nick, I desire to grow deep in my faith. I want to be a mature follower of Jesus. I want to be beyond the norm. I want to grow roots deep in the Lord Jesus. How in the world do I do that? You get to a faith like that and you're there. When you can say before the Lord, I really do trust you, God, that you're able to do this. And I really do believe that you're going to do this. But even if you do not do this, I'm still going to trust you. Now, that's, that's a place of depth, to be honest with you, that few people get to. You have three men who displayed that before a watching world. How would you line your own life up against that right here? You know, I've seen both of these things in my life. Let me give you two words that I think are really critical here. Sometimes I've seen the deliverance of God in my life. Anybody ever experienced deliverance? When you cry out to God, you cry out to God, you cry out to God, and at some point, he delivers you from a situation. Power of God on display. I've had just as many, if not more moments of the presence of God. That's the second word. Where God just steps in and he's just with me. Again, not an easy place to get. Not an easy place to say, Lord, if you don't deliver me, I'm still gonna trust you. Here's what I found in my life of following Christ for 20 plus years. For the long-term benefit of my faith, I've found more times of growth when I have not experienced the deliverance of God, but I have experienced the presence of God. Now, to be honest with you, I'd rather have deliverance every time. Anybody else in the room? I'd rather not go through anything difficult. I'd rather cry out to God, oh Lord, deliver me. And he says, all right, here you go. But more often than not, God has just stepped into places of pain with me and he's just been there. Can I get a witness from anybody else today? Amen. Where he, he just steps in and he just sits with his people. I can remember a few years ago feeling like life was closing in. I'm talking about being at a point where um, maybe one of the lowest places I've ever been in my life. There's no maybe about it. It was the, the lowest or one of the lowest places I've ever been. And I can remember um, in that season for the first time understanding the word despair. You ever been at a point of despair when you see no way out you see no hope for the situation. Light at the end of the tunnel. You're like, what in the world is light at the end of the tunnel? There, there's no light here whatsoever. You ever been at that place? And I found myself at just a place in the fire that I'd never been before. And in many ways, God did not deliver in the way that I desired for him to deliver. In fact, if I'm honest with you, things are not the same today 
because God did not deliver in the way that I wanted him to deliver. And there was suffering and there was pain and there's still suffering and there's still pain. But in a very real sense, in that season, that stretch of my life, the presence of God stepped in a way that has not been to that point at many other times in my life. I can remember I'd go to our porch and we have like a, our neighbor owns like this big stretch of land between our two houses and it's, it's like a green pasture. And I can remember going and sitting down in those Cracker Barrel rockers, you know what I'm saying? Pray, I need a biscuit right now. Anybody else in there? <laughs> and I can remember I'd just go and I'd just rock back and forth and I'd be reminded there's a good shepherd who even in the midst of the fire can take me to a green pasture and just gently lead me beside still waters. And I got to know the good shepherd in a way that I had not up into that point in my life. And uh, if you remember, if you've been around here for, for a few years, we walked through Psalm 23 together probably two and a half years ago. It was birthed out of my own pain and walking through this season, this stretch. Somebody may just need to be reminded that, uh, that God is a shepherd to you and he's good. He's good. Even when it doesn't feel like he's good, even when you don't sense like he's good, even when you wonder if the shepherd knows where his sheep even is, he's good. And there is a unique way that the presence of God in your life has the ability to, to take you to a green pasture while you're in the fire Amen. and to lead you beside the still waters while you're in the fire. That's something that only God through his power can even do. Let's get back to the story. Look at verse 26. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the fiery furnace and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. Come back to that. Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed their cloaks were not harmed and no smell of fire had come upon them. How about them apples right there, huh? I find it interesting here that a wicked king calls these three men servants of who? The most high God. Last week, he's erecting this eight-story tall idol saying, everybody bow down to that. Today, he's saying... You people, your God is the most high God. It says that these three men were fine. Their hair was fine. Their clothes were not harmed. They did not even smell like they had been to a campfire. This is a good reminder of a principle we've already taught you in the book of Daniel that here the theme is again, God can rescue like no one else. Hear it again from the word of God. God can rescue like no one else. And some of you need hope today. You walked into church desperate for hope. I've been at those, those Sundays where you walk in and you're like, God, I need something from you. God specializes in bringing hope 
into hopeless situations. And so there is no situation represented in this room that is too far from God. Think about these three men. They've got a death sentence. They are literally bound hands and feet and they're tossed into a burning fiery furnace and God has rescued them like no one else could. I've taught you this principle before. We've said this a lot even in the book of Daniel lately, but just another reminder, God can do things that you cannot do. He can heal like no one else. He can restore like no one else. He can redeem like no one else. He can forgive sin like no one else. And he can move and he can put the pieces back together like nobody else in your life can. Can we all agree with, with a wicked king today at church? Sounds like an odd statement. Can we all agree? We serve the most high God. We really do. We've sung about him all morning long. We're preaching about him now. And I'm here. I really believe that part of the reason that God has me up here today in this passage is just to call some of you back to faith in the most high God. Not a faith in the sometimes God or a faith that you doubt God, like, like a faith in the most high God who can do things and who can rescue like no one else can rescue. But you gotta come to him. That's your part today. God can do things that you can't do, but you gotta come. You gotta come to him at a place of dependence. Look, look back at the passage, verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and, listen to this, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. By the way, some of you may never get to the point where you've got to yield up your own bodies. But will you yield up your own career, your reputation, the promotion that comes as a result of you standing firm in the faith and following Christ no matter what? He says in verse 29, therefore I make a decree any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what's gonna happen to them? They shall be torn limb from limb and their house is laid in ruins for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Let me remind you, wicked king who is recognizing there is no other God like these three guys, God, who is able to rescue in this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Talk about awkward future meetings. I was going to kill you, but then I gave you the corner office in Babylon. Just, it's kind of a wild scenario here. <clears throat> Last week, the king decreed anybody who doesn't bow down to the idol will die. This week, he says that anybody who says a word against this most high God, you'll be torn limb from limb. Your house laid in ruins and everything will be bad, okay? Now, let's just be honest. Probably not the best way for the gospel message to spread. Are we all in agreement on that? Um, this, is, this is not what we like to see here. But here's what you can say. It's evident that the king has been moved by the whole experience. Two weeks ago, the king had another moving experience. Remember, God gives Daniel the ability to interpret dreams. And uh, the king says some empty words about how great God is. And we asked two weeks ago, well, has, has the king given his life to God? Has he been converted to Christianity right here? The answer two weeks ago, no. So we get to this passage today and it seems like he's calling God the most high God. It seems like he's saying nobody can rescue like this God can. So again, I'll ask the question, 
Has Nebuchadnezzar been saved in this passage? Has he given his life over to God in repentance and faith? And the answer, again, is no. You read the next couple of chapters, and it's evident that this is, again, a man uttering hollow words to God after a moving experience. But it did not do anything to change his heart. Again, I repeat the theme. Don't be a Nebuchadnezzar. You see, the Bible talks about over and over, what is the evidence of salvation? Is is the evidence of salvation that somebody raises their hands in worship or that they come to church a lot or that they're a good moral person? The Bible always equates the evidence of salvation with obedience to Jesus Christ. And so if you are here today and you'd be honest enough with yourself to say, Nick, there is not a pattern of obedience in my life with Christ. There's there's no obedience to Jesus. In fact, I have no heart for the things of God. And yet God has me here today, seemingly stirred by the word of God, by the worship of God. And here's what I would tell you. You have every reason to doubt if you're actually a follower of Christ, if there is no obedience or heart for God in your life. I don't care what you did as a child. I don't care how much you you enter the doors of a church. If there's no obedience to Jesus, it is a glaring red flashing light saying, you really need to ask yourself if you're saved. Jesus said it this way. He says, if you love me, you will do what? You will keep my commandments. So again, don't be a Nebuchadnezzar. Some of you have been like a Nebuchadnezzar. You come here to church every single week. You hear the gospel every single week, how God can forgive your sins through Christ. And just like Nebuchadnezzar, you're intrigued, but you don't surrender. You are moved in the moment, but not to a point of repentance before God. This is the person who comes to church again, Maybe you have tears during worship because it's moving. Maybe when the preacher is up here speaking and the word of God being proclaimed, there's, there's something going on inside of your heart. And yet every time it comes to a moment of decision, you, you stifle that and say, no, 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 no. C- can you heed the example of a wicked king who refused and refused and refused and refused. Listen, after he saw the power of God on display in amazing ways. Just because you see the movement of God does not mean your heart has ever been changed by the Son of God. So if that's you in the room today, let Jesus Christ forgive you like no one else can. Let him change your life like no one else can. Let him move in your life like no one else can. Let me wrap this up. If you're a note taker, let me, let me give you a couple things here to take away. Let me give you three things. What do we learn from Daniel chapter three that you can take home today and implement into your own Christian life? Number one, we learn about the necessity of boldness. The necessity of boldness. These three followers of God were placed in a, in a situation where life was closing in, where their literal life was threatened. And the message was to them, if you don't capitulate, if you don't, if you don't go along with the crowd, if you don't do this, you will suffer. And these men all just stayed faithful to God. By the way, again, eerily familiar 
ancient Babylon, modern day America. If you don't do this, if you don't change on this, if you don't hold firm to this, if you don't, you will suffer. Here's a question for every follower of Jesus today. As the culture continues to go downstream, are you willing to follow Christ to the fullest extent? You say, well, Nick, what do you, what do you mean by that? I have no idea what I mean in your life, but probably by now you, you have an idea of what will it cost you to really genuinely follow Christ in every area of your life? Will you yield up your body? Will you yield up your family? Will you yield up your career to God in full faithfulness? The necessity of boldness. We learned this. We learned about the beauty of God's presence. What a gift this passage is to the Christian, as I said earlier. Even if God doesn't deliver, God will be with his people. I wonder who here today, you'd be honest enough to say, Nick, I'm walking through the fire and I'm longing for the deliverance of God. By the way, I don't think there's anything wrong to ask God for deliverance. I'm asking for, for God's deliverance in a particular situation right now. God, would you deliver this person? Some of you have been crying out to God again and again and again. Deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, deliver. You've wept before the Lord over and over and over again. And I wonder how many of you today that a sign of surrender to the Lord would be to just add a second part to that prayer of God, would you deliver me? And if you don't, would you give me a sense of your presence like I've never experienced before? Would you ask the Lord Jesus to come and just be present in your situation like you have never experienced before? As I told you earlier, in my life, I've recognized over the years that sometimes the presence of God is more impactful long-term than even the deliverance of God. And he will be with you today. Final thing we learn is just the call to surrender. And I wanna wrap up just by closing and by contrasting these two different groups of people. King Nebuchadnezzar and these three men. You've got these three men who when life closed in, when their life was about to end, Again, let me reiterate it again. Our God is able and he will, but if he doesn't, I'll still trust him. For these three men, it was complete and total surrender. A surrender to the point of death, all to stay faithful to God. On the flip side of that, you have this Nebuchadnezzar guy who just refuses, 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 refuses to surrender. And if you're familiar with, with the book of Daniel, you'll know what I'm about to say is true. God's about to take King Nebuchadnezzar to the woodshed. Amen. And he will regret not surrendering when he had the chance. Here's what I tell you today. You have a chance today. Don't leave this place without knowing where you are with the Lord. What are you winning to say, man, if I can just put it off one more week, just one more week? 
What are you winning by just refusing again the forgiveness that only God can, can give you in Christ? Would you give your life to Christ today? When I was in college, uh, I went to a school in Virginia, Christian school. And uh, I remember moving in. I went with two guys here from this area. So we were in one of those glorious dorm situations where it's three guys in one dorm. Anybody remember those days? Horrible. And, uh, and we were moving in and I met this big old boy from Kentucky. Lived right across the hall. You know who that big old boy from Kentucky was? His name is Chris Deitch, right here on the front row. Chris Deitch um, went to the same school and uh, we've been friends ever since. At our Christian school on a, maybe a Thursday night, Chris, I can't remember what it was, but on, um, on a certain night of the week, you would have what you call hall meeting. And so you all come together, everybody just sits down in the hall and your RAs, they give you all the things that you shouldn't do next time and all that kind of thing. And they just roll through a bunch of stuff. And then right after the hall meeting, the whole dorm broke up in prayer groups. And each group was assigned a leader. You guess who my leader was that year? Chris Deitch. And uh, Pastor Chris, we were in our uh, meeting one time. And I think everybody else had left the room and it was just me and him talking. And I began to just pour out that I was just really struggling. And if you were at Crossroads together a few weeks ago, I detailed why I was struggling in college and the backstory, it's too long for now. I'll never forget Chris looked at me. I've never forgotten this statement. He said, Nick, he said, God will either calm the storm or he'll calm you in the storm. Put in Daniel chapter three language, God will either calm the fire or he'll calm you in the fire. Thanks, Chris. (laughs) 20 years later. This is the message of Daniel chapter three for every follower of Christ. Praise God, we serve a God who sometimes he stops the fire. We've experienced that at different times in our lives. And sometimes he will stop the fire. Every time he will be with you in the fire and he'll calm you in the fire if you'll give him an opportunity to do that. Today, we're gonna wrap up and we're gonna close in a different way. Anybody okay with different today? I good with that? today, I want to pray for those of you who are walking through the fire. And if you're here today and you would say, Nick, I am a, I'm walking through it. And I really do believe just like these men that, that God is able and that he will. But if he doesn't, I'm still going to trust him. How many of you today just need to call out again and let me, let me call out to God on your behalf today to deliver you from the fire. And even more so than that, there are many of you here today that have been praying prayers of deliverance, 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 that God wants to shift that prayer to say, listen, if you'll invite me in, I'll show you presence. So here's the different way we're gonna close. We we close this way at the first service here in Springdale. We'll close this way again today. 
If you're here today and you're walking through the fire and you want to confess before the Lord and before your church family that today I'm asking for the deliverance of God in my life and I'm asking for the presence of God to be with me. I'm going to invite you just to stand right now. Nobody's eyes closed. This is a family. So right now, would you just stand all over? People are already standing, walking through the fire. I need God's deliverance. And if he doesn't deliver, I need his presence. Give you a few more moments. Maybe say, Nick, I'm so embarrassed. Again, you ever come to church and feel like everybody's got it all together? This, this day is a reminder. People don't have it all together. One more moment. Anybody else? I'm walking to the fire. I need God to deliver me. I need the presence of God to be very real in my life today. We said this is family. Here's what that means. It means that nobody stands alone. So if you're near somebody, just reach out your hand, touch them, put your arm around them. Let's make sure everybody has somebody, okay? You look around you. Give it just a moment. the stories in this room would break our hearts if we knew why each person was standing Father we ask for deliverance for every one of these people deliverance in their health family situation something in their career whatever it may be today that it feels like life is closing in Lord, I pray for those who will not experience deliverance, at least on this side of heaven. I pray for the presence of God to be so real today, more real than these people who are standing have ever experienced before. A closeness, a nearness. Lord, I pray that you would be a good shepherd to them in this moment. they would sense you in a new and a different way, a fresh way. Lord, would you carry them when they don't feel like they can walk? Would you pick them up? When they don't feel like they can go forward, would you just push them forward? So Father, we hand you some difficult situations beyond our control and beyond our comprehension. And we ask that you would move. You are the most high God. There is no other God who rescues his people like you do. We believe you're able to deliver and that you will deliver. But if not, we say collectively as a church, we'll trust you. 
So Lord, do something that only you can do. That we point back to this moment as the moment when God began to change the situation. Change it or change us. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like more information about your relationship with Jesus, please email us at info at crosschurch.com or visit our website at crosschurch.com. At Cross Church, our mission is to reach Northwest Arkansas, America, and the world for Jesus Christ.